going on. My. But, uh, <laughs> Studio Ghibli's being, not Studio Ghibli, Netflix, our partner in podcasting, not actual partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think they're being deliberately misleading with their announcement that they're going to start streaming Studio Ghibli films internationally. Okay. And so a lot of my North American friends are sharing it like, I'm so excited. And they're not streaming in North America. And their Facebook post is on their main account and doesn't uh-huh. say that it's not streaming in Japan, North America. So it's just being deliberately shady, knowing that people aren't going to look into this and yeah, sign up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just here being the crusher of hopes and dreams because someone yes. needs to be. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because like you can't just you can't just 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 share something without researching it. You know, you got to do the work. And, you know, you can buy a VPN to bypass this or Studio Ghibli films are going to be on HBO Max in May. Max, excellent. (laughs) You can also, um, you know, just visit a particular bay that's filled with scoundrels and procure these movies through other means. Is that still around? Keen of hiding from the world. Ah, yes. Excellent. Uh, excellent lead lead in. No, I'm really, I'm really good at these shit. These shits. Um, yeah. (laughs) Hiding from the world is exactly what our protagonists do in the movie. It comes at night, which happens to be what we're talking about this week. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Wait, I haven't introduced the podcast. Hi, welcome to real horror show. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm joined by the stormy skies. (laughs) Oh, Anyway, It Comes at Night is a 2017 American horror film written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz. It stars Joel Edgerton, Christopher Abbott, Carmen Iago, Kelvin Harrison Jr., and Riley Keough. I'm sorry I butchered all your names. The film had its premiere at the Overlook Film Festival at Timberland Lodge in Oregon. That's where The Shining was filmed on April 29, 2017 and was theatrically released on June 9th, 2017 in the United States by A24. A24 is just, like, dominating the horror genre right now. Where do you think The Shining was filmed? It was filmed in the Timberland Lodge. I thought The Shining was filmed in the Stanley Hotel. Not Kubrick Shining. Oh, not the Kubrick Shining? The other Shining? Yeah, the Stanley Hotel inspired The Shining, but... Kubrick filmed the movie in the Timberland Lodge in Oregon. Well, I stand corrected. If you're hosting a horror movie podcast, you don't know anything. Anyway, continue. Just pretend I didn't say anything. Positively received by critics and grossed over 19 million worldwide. Meanwhile, it just really bummed me out, bro. Yeah, didn't it? Um, Wait, well, before we talk about how sad we were... um. Uh, did you, what did you think? Did you like it or dislike it or not feel any particular way? I don't think I felt any particular way other than it just made me sad, which is a good thing. I'm digging this new trend of horror movies not necessarily being, ah, scary, but more like evoking negative feelings. Not, not, I don't like it negative feelings. Just <laughs> get you. No, I get what you you're get saying. Me. 
Yeah, I understand. And I think that's why I liked it because um, – well, I liked it because I like stuff that has that ambiguous apocalyptic event that we don't know about, but it, it happened. And it's yeah, like – No, I, I really dig that. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch or read Cormac McCarthy's The Road? I did not. Luke did, though, but I didn't. I watched the movie, but it – I kind of forgot everything that happened in the movie. It's it's very similar where you don't know how the world came to this apocalyptic state, but we're here and we can dig it. Yeah. I may sound sound (laughs) hypocritical right now because my biggest complaint of about underwater starring Kirsten Stewart was that it didn't really have an exposition. It just threw us into the action. Yeah does that but it does it better because um we're thrown directly into the action the dad is sick the the grandfather is sick the mom's dad um and they kill him and then we're just thrust into the story and yeah. it's similar in your water the difference is within 30 seconds they've already established the character relationships and all of that and that's all i wanted from underwater was just like 30 seconds before the disaster where the character relationships are established we know why we're there. We get a vibe for what's happening in the outside world. Yeah, and we get yeah. that with this opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We do. And um, uh, we uh, since since we're stuck with like um like a limited amount of characters, just like this small group of people, and then the other group of people, um, so like three and three, uh, we like in a way we do start to get their character like um personalities and then we get their development uh in a, in a great way i thought this was um like a really uh i thought that the dialogue of this film was extremely realistic based on the events that happened did you ever watch a movie and like an ambiguous apocalyptic event happened and then when characters interact they like don't ask any of the right questions that like you would ask in mm-hmm. this movie like they they asked all the right questions. I feel like their lines of dialogue were exactly were things that I would probably say like to the exact like letter if I were in the same situation, you know? Um, so I really enjoyed the dialogue. This movie. All right. I'm instructing David's little brother who's in the living room to get a block of cream cheese out of the fridge. So it can start <laughs> softening before dinner. <laughs> I just imagine you sitting there like with your arm, like, come on, fucking kid, go get the, shit out of the fridge <laughs> are you making are you making like a dip i'm going to so after we record david and i are going to our friend's house because my friends and i are putting together a stage reading of one of my plays i think i mentioned it in the last episode and uh we usually do dinner when we get together so one friend is making a casserole but i'm gonna go ahead and bring a crab dip so we can have a nice appetizer of crab dip mm-hmm. So just been wanting to make this crab dip for a while, and uh, I have an excuse now. Excellent. Sounds awesome. Nice. All right. Anyway, Sam, what did you think about acting? I thought the acting was great. Um, someone in this movie, according to Wikipedia, yeah. was nominated for a Gotham Independent Film Award for Breakthrough Actor. Oh, neat. Which one? The, the Sun? Kelvin Harrison Jr. I'm going to guess that's the son because he's 25. Yeah, Yeah, it was the son. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah, he was excellent. 
it, it was cool that there was an interracial couple at the center of this story. We still don't get a lot of that in horror, I feel. Yeah, I thought that was really important um, to showcase. Um, absolutely. Um, and uh, also, I thought that even the other couple, uh, th this uh, movie did such a great job at like keeping the viewer like questioning like whether the other people were like good or bad and like you just honestly did not know the entire time um and that was absolutely really cool. i thought i honestly towards the end i was kind of hoping that no one had caught the disease mm -hmm. and that it was all just in their heads because yeah. there's just such a strong element of paranoia throughout this narrative as that especially Especially when they were laying in bed at night, it was like, that's when the thoughts started racing. So maybe it in the title was the paranoia. Oh, yeah, that's an excellent um, observation because the paranoia was like the huge thing that I was going to bring up. Um, I saw it showcased a lot, too, um, in the scene whenever the dog ran away and the kid ran after uh, him and then the dad came and that, but he was like totally freaking out. And I was like, oh my God, dude, like don't get too paranoid because that'll like mess up your judgment and stuff like that. But it's that kind of thing that had me on the edge of my seat because I was like, dude, I would probably do the same thing. Like, what would you do? There's not many things to do. Like, how would you react? Because there's also that ambiguous, um, like big, bad, like bad thing that's out there and we never saw it. We never knew what it was, but we knew that it was like very dangerous and deadly. Um, but we never like set eyes on it. So we didn't know what it was. And that was another excellent thing that like kept the anxiety like moving throughout the story. Really serious question regarding animals and these types of situations. Oh yeah. <laughs> God. Yesterday in the Handmaid's Tale fan group that I'm in on Facebook, I occasionally check in even though the series is done. Mm -hmm. uh, someone brought up how before June and Luke fled to Canada, they, oh. killed, they killed her cat because they couldn't take it with them. And they were like, well, I love my animal, so of course I would take it with me. I wouldn't kill it. <laughs> and the book explains why they did it this way. They didn't want, they couldn't take the cat with them to Canada because of the because it would be suspicious and it would be suspicious if the cat was just clawing at their door, mm -hmm. making it obvious they weren't home. So to me, even though I love my pets in that kind of situation, you have to make these heartbreaking sacrifices. I feel like the people saying they would just like give their cat a Benadryl or something to make it yeah. go to sleep and hide it in the trunk. Yeah. have never crossed Border patrol because they can and they will check your trunk, especially in a current war state like America turning to Gilead was in. Right. So, is your question like, really what leave would it I with, do? Yeah, what would you do with your pet in that situation? Because sometimes oh. they can be a liability. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. So, that would be really tough um, because uh, if I had animals and there is like a, a situation and I needed to take them. But, like, I couldn't because I was traveling. Shit, like, I don't know, like, why Why did they, like, not allow pets where you're going or some shit? But, like, in the example with The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. America, by the time Luke and June decided to try and get into Canada, America was basically 
in the last steps of becoming Gilead. So they were looking for people trying to cross over the border to flee and prevent that from happening. Yeah. So having an animal in the car with you yeah. is a dead giveaway that you're trying to leave and not come back. Right. Yes. I see. Um, yeah, well, when they're trying to flee, well, whenever they reach the border, like, they're protected. Every time in the, she the show, at least, when people reach the Canada border, there's not an issue. Um, so it's just getting there without getting caught. So I feel like, I guess you have to keep off the roads, you know, and hike through the forest like some people did. Um, I don't know. That's tough. You would have to train your animal to uh, be an outdoors animal, uh, if, especially if you have a cat or a dog. You'd have to train them off leash. And that would be like the only thing I can think of to possibly like um, try to take them with me. Uh, fuck. I, I wouldn't kill my animal but I wouldn't leave it behind. I try to bring it with me and, you know, keep it safe. But, um, shit, I don't know. That That's a tough one. What you do, Sam? Well, see, I have a guinea pig, so we could probably just, like, put her in a suitcase with some food and she'd be fine. Yeah. I don't know what I would do when we eventually get a bigger, less hideable pet and, I don't know, nuclear war happens and we have to flee on SpaceX. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those tough things. Your pet is part of your family, but at the same time, they're they can be the biggest liability in a situation like this. Yeah, exactly. It could also be your greatest asset. Not necessarily cats. I mean, mm -hmm. I love cats. I plan on owning fifty one day. Mm -hmm. But a dog would definitely be more useful in a post apocalyptic a post apocalyptic situation. Yeah, yeah, they would be. Um. Yeah, so you're saying that in the situation, I'm sorry, in the situation that we were talking about, that your animals would not be confiscated if your car was searched? No. No, they wouldn't be? I don't know. You don't know? Okay, because what I'm, what I'm understanding, is, it's tough to answer, because if you're traveling, and then if they're going to search your car for an animal, and, and if they find one, they'll confiscate it, like, your guinea pig isn't going to be safe in the cage. They'll just take the cage if they search your car, if you're traveling to the border, so, like, if they're not going to do that and confiscate an animal, like, just hide it in the car. But I don't know. It's so many elements. But I would just try to take my animal. I wouldn't kill it. i try to keep it alive as long as possible. Well, that was a nice discussion. I'm not sure if we came to a conclusion. But yeah, other, than, okay. other than Sam's a horrible person and would kill her cat if she was trying to flee the country in a Gilead situation. Yeah, you don't have to <laughs> kill your cat. They can go in the little cage. Yeah, but what if the Gilead guards at Border Patrol are like, hey, why do you have a cat? Oh, you're trying to escape. Instant handmade. Actually, handmade. no, I would just be sent. Because of my uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, I would be sent to the colonies because the chances of me getting pregnant are like cut in half. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so the, what I'm getting out of here is the dog ran into the forest, probably brought back some diseases. Kind of a liability. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably, to make myself look better, I would probably also kill the guy who broke his leg on the way while we were walking through the woods to get to Canada from America. My God. So, like in that movie. <laughs> yeah. The ritual. Yeah, what a fucking idiot. He, like, broke his ankle, and it was like, damn, dude, you really have to work hard to break that shit, and he, like, did it. <laughs> like, you guys, clumsy bitch. Yeah, you, know the, you know this trail that 
a lot of people walk on, let's get off the trail and go find help instead of staying on the trail. It's like it's only like a mile between. It's like a mile between each like rest stop on the trip. A dude, like that's talking. like fifteen minutes at a brisk pace. Like just like it's you're you're fine. You'll get there soon. Oh my god! Again, if they had stayed on the trail, we wouldn't have a movie. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have right. a movie because people um, don't make these decisions. But anyway, with it comes at night. Um, families come together and create a nice bond that is destroyed by paranoia. Yeah, but we find out at the end that the kid is sick, and they all are sick. What do you think? I don't think the family they took in was sick at all. I think he knew he was sick and was intentionally planting the seeds of doubt in his dad's mind. Am I crazy? You think so? I thought he. The, I thought the child was sick, and because he touched his hand and led him back to the bedroom, he became sick. No, I, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. You could. Po- you. You're probably right too. I don't know which it is. It's vague enough. You could draw either conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like both are right. End, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the movie, for me, the end where his parents are sitting at the dining room table, just kind of staring at each other, both sick. I think it's pretty clear to me that they realize they made a mistake. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. Now that part was we just, we just know the baby had a cough. That doesn't necessarily mean baby's cough. He could have had a cold. Yeah, that's true. They don't have vaccines for colds. They definitely don't have vaccines in this post-apocalyptic society. So he probably had like just the whooping cough that babies get. Yeah, that's true too. Um, that's true. But remember that the kid sleepwalked and he opened the red door. And after he did that, the the bad virus thing killed the dog. So he could have had, you know, some type of a contamination there in the contamination room. But again, either thing would work. But is a wooden door really the best way to prevent a virus from spreading? doubtful (laughs) if it's that kind of zombie virus that shit's crazy so i don't know also we really don't know like what happened to the dog (laughs) but shit because we don't know what's out there i don't know what what, what's out there yeah that that shit was nuts at the end when they were just sitting there and they're both sick i was like what the fuck i'm like now there's just like nobody the people ah it's crazy can't take notes. I'm a bad podcaster, so I'm. Oh yeah, you didn't ta- that's okay. I didn't take notes either. Um, but we can keep going with um, like a uh, performance. Well, we already did performance acting. So what's next? The plot. Yeah, what did you think about the story? It was great. It was just it went really fast, and yeah. that's kind of surprising with how simple the narrative was. It really was just these two families in this situation coming together to survive and you watch as they build this bond and as that and then watch as that bond collapses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, really cool um, to just like watch that just like deteriorate slowly uh, because of all these little things, you know, just like the smallest of things and um, the paranoia and like people thinking that you're lying or like, you know, other people 
just just arguing to you know like stay alive so i think that's really cool what else about the plot yeah and we also talked about how we liked the ambiguity of the apocalyptic event and the virus like there's still a lot of questions like where like where are the people how how are the this how is this family like getting food and water still you know and all that um how long has it been all that cool stuff but it's it's made it creepy in this setting to like not know those answers like we were just kind of in the moment and it was like a slice of life um but we knew that they dealt with like this virus before because they knew exactly what to do to like get rid of a body to make sure that there is nobody else who was going to get sick. Um, yeah, it was just pretty nuts. But I, I wasn't anticipating that when I watched it. I kind of w- went into it with like blind um, because like the whole time whenever I like knew about this movie, I thought it was like a monster movie, you know, but um, it didn't turn out to be like that at all. And I kind of really liked that because I like movies like with this kind of um, plot going on. So it was really neat. Let's see. Uh, no, I, all I knew about this movie was the little teaser Netflix has when you hover over it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I watched the trailer for this movie when it like was coming out into theaters like years ago. I think you said 2017. So we were still in Alexandria at the time because I remember I watched it there and I was like, shit, this looks so good. And I like never watched it. <laughs> so I'm glad that we like, yeah. were able to do that. I still feel like I'm catching up on all the media we missed out while we were in grad school and poor. Dude, Yeah. Yeah, um, we really are catching up because I'm like, I feel like everything I missed out was in like the last two years, you know, two, three years um, because we like didn't. There's like 300 horror movies coming out next month alone. And it's like, <laughs> how can we keep up? I got the Regal movie pass just for that. But at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't go to movies on Thursdays. Sometimes I'm an idiot and wait until Fridays. And then you have the stupid family who comes in and sit right next to you and is like, hey, if the people down there don't show up, would you mind moving seats? Because we want to be in the middle. Oh like, my God. I bought my ticket three days ago and I review horror movies. So that's why I'm in the middle. What do you do? But instead you're a nice person and go, yeah, yeah, sure. That's fine. But never actually move. Right? <laughs> never um, actually move. <laughs> And then before before the preview starts, she pulls out this fucking document that is either the rights before they get married, like a prenup or something, yeah. or their divorce papers. It could be either one. Oh my god. <laughs> and reading it very loud in the movie theater. <laughs> Just very loudly and everyone's getting disturbed. The horror movie you watch isn't even that good, so none of it was worth it. Yeah, shit. Was that when you saw Underwater? Oh, I, I liked Underwater a lot. I just didn't care for the beginning. It was when I saw The Grudge. Oh, yeah. The Grudge. Yeah. A very peaceful time seeing Underwater because I saw it on a Thursday at 10 o'clock at night. So nice. that's usually when I try to see new horror movies is when I can, when no one else is in the theater, so I can just whip out my phone and live tweet if I feel inclined. Right. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I should try. I, w- I would try that, but I don't like to leave by myself. Stay. 
leave the house. No. Speaking of leaving the house, when I get the date for that one thing that I can't publicly announce yet, yeah, I'll let you know. Yes. To let everyone know, and then we can coordinate getting a giant Airbnb together. Oh, that'd be re- really cool. <laughs> Eight couples sharing a single Airbnb for the weekend. Right, that would be sweet. I'd like that a lot. Oh man, it'd be Our- such a delightful time. Yes, we would have a delightful time. Anyway, what is after plot uh, performance plot production? What do you think? Yeah, it was, it was great. Like, oh yeah, it didn't need any special effects, so it didn't use any special effects. Yeah, it was just this is the kind of horror movie that I'm really into right now, where everything is just so simple and it's still spooky. You don't need saw level gore effects for a horror uh, movie to be good. Right, yeah. You just need that kid's creepy nightmares with the girl kissing him and then the blood coming out. You know, it's just like, whoa, it just like really unsettles you. That's all you need. Yeah, and you're just like, oh shit, that's bad, you know? Because <laughs> you know what it means because you have context of that. So that's cool. I'm feeling tangenty because I saw that stupid Facebook post where the guy's holding up a sign and it says, put better horror movies on Netflix. So I saw that again today on Facebook while I was at work. So I went to our master sheet, which is usually close to being up to date. I up I updated and it the other day. I should have told you it's it's up to date as of three days ago. <laughs> Excellent. So I did that and then subtracted the lines that are just the letters of the alphabet. There's currently 264 horror movies on Netflix. Wild. Fucking wild. I'm pretty fucking sure the people who share that meme have not watched all 264 horror movies on Netflix. So I think what they mean is, please put more popular slashers that I recognize on Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Like, please put more movies that I've already seen and I like on Netflix. Thanks. It's like, uh, it's not what this is about. I'm glad that we're doing, yeah, which that's why I'm glad we switched over to doing the random generator because this way we're watching movies we never would have picked up otherwise. Some of them are absolutely terrible and some of them aren't that bad. Right, exactly. I really like the random generator and I look forward to to having a mini show to discuss, decide what our next one's going to be. Yeah. By asking the Jane man upstairs what it will be. (laughs) Just, this is one of those horror movies that I think is really brilliant and very subtle, but I don't see mainstream audiences liking it because it's not stabby stab, gory gore horror. Yeah. No, it's fine, but I feel like in our current climate, we're moving away from that. So, yeah, I think we are. Yeah, we don't need that anymore. We're like, yeah, we're evolving a little bit to something different for right now. In this new decade, okay, we're getting we're getting movies like this. We're getting Ari Aster, which I'm just getting the vibe now that you're just not a fan of Ari Aster. <laughs> I just might not be. I'll still watch his things so I can understand and discuss them. But I don't know because you know what I like, and I just I thought I was gonna like Midsummer a lot, and then I I watched all of it, and I just like didn't like. Yeah, usually you're usually you're right. It's okay. Like, you're right 90% of the time when you say, like, what I'll like and what I'll dislike. But this time it wasn't right. But that's okay. I still watched it. There were parts that I did like, but overall, I, I probably wouldn't buy it, you know. It was so whimsical, and then suddenly someone's head splits open, and you're like, oh, oh, my. 
that was shocking. Like there were shocking moments. I'm not going to deny that there were scary parts, um, especially the beginning. I found the most shocking. I think he does that well whenever he has like those shocking events happen. Uh, whenever family members die, such as in Hereditary, when the kid's head came off, and like this yeah. with the family that ha in the beginning, how they all die, and I'm like, that's really shocking. You know, like who's gonna yeah. go through all that? But I was like, shit, if that actually did happen, that would be fucked up. You know, anyway. yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that's something we can expect from him in all his work is that shocking head trauma because he seems to be a fan of just taking people's heads off yeah that too with the two old couple and that was crazy how the one guy he like missed the fucking thing and his both his legs broken i was like oh shit he's not dead <laughs> uh, yeah. it, no i really liked this movie and i wish more people would support this type of independent horror because it's good yeah it's, it's good. really good it is like i'm excited for all the halloween sequels we're getting all two of them I hope we get more Friday the 13th someday, but I really like these just standalone, simple horror movies. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Speaking of Friday the 13th, I have to watch the 2019, 20, 2009 version. Fun one. I was going to say, I hope uh, the random generator picks a fun horror movie for our next review after. Yeah, that'd be nice. Summer. The production. We didn't have much of a soundtrack, did it? recall is isn't a bad thing uh, yeah because it means the music wasn't overbearing so i have nothing to bitch about so it definitely if there was a soundtrack orchestra it it blended in very well with the atmosphere which is yeah. what i want from a horror movie soundtrack i don't want <laughs> <laughs> i don't want shit getting in the way exactly oh, here's the pen hit the door yeah, it's like I don't want like fucking just noise that's like, ugh, please like turn take that down a little bit so I can like focus on what's happening. Like, no, I want it to mesh so completely yeah. that I don't think about noise happening because it's part of the action or the non action. So, it's not just the universe and the character relationships very easily. Um, Slenderman, I feel like. <laughs> Going back to this old review, did a lot of things wrong. Soundtrack was very loud and boisterous. And when I want character and world building, I don't want what they did where we're all best friends and we're going to move in together and like be roommates for the rest of our lives and our husbands can live in a separate house. I don't want that kind of super expositional world building where you're like, oh, so all these girls are going to die at the end, except they don't. They become trees. Yeah, they become trees. <laughs> I just, I want something like this. You're just, you know how everybody relates to each other. You know, I just want good world building in horror movies. That's exactly. Uh, can, what's another good example? You can build the, like, the relationships with people by literally, like, one sentence. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do this whole, like, what you just described in The Slender Man or whatever the fuck that movie was called anyway i think this is a great movie i highly recommend it yeah and you know what um i liked it a lot too it's it, it's a good thing to discuss because this had a heck of a lot of um realistic aspects to it just like just paranoia was a huge one and how uh you're dealing with 
uh, strangers and paranoia and an event that happened that makes you extra on edge and the aspect of keeping your family safe and like what you'll do and like how far you'll go to keep them safe despite your better judgment. And so that's like a definitely a realistic thing that I'm sure that some people do with in like small increments, not quite to that magnitude of like fucking killing people. But you know, paranoia is a thing, man. Like, um, this is why I should write my notes down so I can remember to bring them up. Um, a, a while back I brought up, you know, how the Donner party died and how they likely died of hypothermia, but because they didn't know what hypothermia was and they assumed it was starvation. So they started eating the dead bodies. That's a very similar situation to this where you don't know for sure if the kid is sick, but he's coughing. So he could be sick. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to kill him or are you going to wait and see Yeah, and risk infecting everybody else? So it's very mm. realistic. Oh, yeah. it's, it's human nature that you do what you need to do to survive. Hence why, you know, if you're fleeing the country and one of your walking mates breaks their leg, you just put them down like a racehorse and keep moving. <laughs> and keep moving. Or do you like, you know, do your best off-roading and go fucking get lost in the fucking woods? You know, like what what will you do to like stay alive or like protect yourself or like other people? Uh, although you don't know if your decision is right at any time. Because it's never happened before. I think that's what scares people the most about stuff like this is like, shit, I, I mean, I would do that, but is that the right thing to do? You don't, like, there is no answer. The answer is like, I don't know, like, yes and no. In these situations, you revert back to the tribal triumph thought, which is, yeah, you gotta survive. It's a very mm-hmm. Darwinism. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's a good place to wrap up. You got the end notes. <laughs> I do have the end notes. That was a good wrap up, and um, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, uh, yeah. Give it. Ah, oh, yeah, that fucked me up. I would give it that too because, like, oh yeah, that did fuck me up. Like shit. <laughs> the end. That was very like it. It ended on such a good point because it just like stopped, and I was like, uh, now what? Like, you know. <laughs> shit. I was like, yeah, I bet you guys feel like assholes now. No, right? I was like, shit, you're probably feeling all these all these shitty things. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, kill yourselves? I'll never know. But like, shit, like, will you? Will you become sick zombies? Like, is it a zombie? I don't know. I don't know. Anybody? Other people? Are they all dead? Glad it wasn't a two-hour movie, though. <laughs> yeah. It was fine. Okay. So, since we're all wrapped up, I will read the outro now. Uh, Real Horror Show. Oh, God. Excuse me. <clears throat> Yes. Real Horror Show was created by Sam Odie and Stormy Skies and is directed by Sam Odie. Um, today we learned that you should uh, not kill your... Wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. <laughs> uh, do what you gotta do to survive, I suppose. Do your best. I really don't know what to say. Uh, but watch this movie. It's pretty cool. All right. Like what you hear? You can find Real Horror Show on Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Store, Stitchers, and iTunes. Uh, really, really like what you hear. Follow us on Twitter at horrorshow underscore underscore pod or search for Real Horror Show on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Real Horror Show. Like our page and share our stuff. We also have a website that all of our written reviews and podcasts can be found. Realhorrorshow.com. 
uh, want to interact with us, want to make sure we're real humans and not space vampires, comment on our website or email us at realhorrorshowpodcast at gmail.com. Want to argue with us about something or think you have a really great horror movie review that you're dying to share with two random strangers from the internet? Submissions are open for movie reviews. They always are. Check out the submit page on our website and follow the rubric before sending us anything. If it's not done according to the rubric, it will be disregarded. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, we post written reviews sometimes. Whenever we're ready to write something excellent about something that interests us, we will do so. It, uh, but in the meantime, read all the cool ones that are already there. They are doozies. Yes. We love horror, and if you're listening, you do too. Please help us keep our project going by visiting our support page on our website, where you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. We also have an Amazon wish list. If you feel like buying us something tangible will help convey your love more than a monetary donation would. Also, buy us a coffee is a button you can click that will pay us the amount you would need to buy a coffee. A little bit goes a long way. Uh, submissions are open for the anthology called The Autism Monologues. Check out the submissions guidelines on our website and submit your creepy shit. Our outro song is called Creepy Doll by Jonathan Colton. And thank you, fuck off, and have a swell evening. Bye. Bye.